Test, test, test. Oh, I'm way low. Test, test. That's better. Yo, what's going on? Hold on. Let me uh, let me try to get my uh, AirPods connected. I don't know why they're not connected. Oh, it's Keith problems right there. There's a parade last night. Got a fun parade tonight. One of my favorite parades is tonight. So. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm glad you're alive. I'll say that. I'm glad you're. <laughs> I'm glad you made okay. it. My girlfriend is like, as. No joke, as much of a Blazer fan as I am, she is a Pelicans fan. She's Hell yeah, dude. It's, Which, it's, what, pro what it's it? probably not good by your standards, but I like it. It's, it's called the Verti Marte Deli and Grocery. Yeah, no, Verti Marte. That's what I was talking about on the podcast. Is it what oh. you said? Okay. <laughs> the best okay. muffaletta I've ever had. Muffaletta. Okay, uh, muffaletta, blah, blah, blah. Italian, yeah, Italian bread with a variety of meats, olive salad, mm. and cheese. It's like, an, Looks I guess, an Italian sub. That's good, man. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, okay, cool, cool. I'll have to try. Yeah, I just didn't know the name, but uh, I've gotten into into old sourdough bread making up here. I'll see if I can find a muffaletta recipe. <laughs> oh, do it, dude. They're, they're delicious. They're right delicious. on, man. Funny, just, though, that yeah. I was like, I found the name. He's like, yeah, that's why I sent the podcast. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> but at least we were on the same track. Like, same yeah, yeah, you're like the right place. Norm with the plat. I like it. Sick, dude. All right, sorry. I'm getting all, all sidetracked again. <laughs> back in. Pull oh, and this. CJ with the new Pelican colors there, too. Mm -hmm. Didn't even catch the one over the top. That looks good, man. Man. Thank you. Yeah. All right, yeah, I'm going to have to look around and get some of these, uh, pick some of these up later. We will do that after the show. Hello, Rip City, to all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs. Thank you for tuning in. Here with you from Hood River, my name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and here with me, as always, the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, Mr. Professional Christopher Joseph Burkhart. You gotta get on-time Hawaiian printed on a t-shirt. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? How's, uh, how's everything going? How are you, uh, you feeling after the trade deadline? You as burned out as I am? Hey, I'm great. I'm great. I told you, I don't I don't get up in my feels like you do because you're a fan. Despite the fact that that, that that fan said I was being too emotional on social media. And sometimes it cracks out. me up. Like I, I did by one guy. I'm like, God, like sometimes like I just tweet to have some fun and y'all can't have fun. Like, like I promise, like I, I, I didn't lose sleep over a man. I, I was, it, it was a it was a crazy deadline, fun deadline. Didn't agree with some of the moves, agreed with some of the others. But uh, it was a roller coaster all the way around, not just the Blazers. I, like that, that was honestly maybe one of the most entertaining trade deadlines that I've I've been a part of, even though I wasn't really a part of it. But you know what I'm saying? Like it no. was intense. There was a lot going on. I mean, how often do you see uh, an all NBA defensive all-star get traded for an all-nba stud and you know james harden and the ben simmons swap and see how that plays out and a lot of good teams adding some good pieces man and yeah i mean it's not every day you see a guy like cj mccollum ship so yeah crazy crazy trade deadline i loved it i loved it there was a lot man there was a lot going on for blazer fans as well as uh as my otherwise. emotional ass enjoyed it okay <laughs> I do love that you're getting caught up for being the emotion. I mean, look, Blazer fans just—they're—they're they're not here for jokes right now. They're—they're they're still waiting to see uh, what's happening, what the the real deal is with the moves and with Cronin versus uh, uh, the team in general, which direction they're going. We will get into all that in a minute. We've got a guest coming in here, but first things first, Chris. Everybody's favorite segment on Trailcasters, which might not be saying much. We could work this up and get more segments going. Love hugs and hate mail. I went first the last two weeks. I'm putting you on the spot. Then, what's your what's your love? Where are you at? 
Oh, it's easy. The love's going to CJ McCollum and go. his nine great years of service in Portland and the Players' Tribune article that he wrote, which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode. But CJ came in like a pro and he walked out like a pro. And uh, my Twitter has been blowing up with probably one of my most uh, you know liked tweets of all time. But as I said it when he went out, I said it at the beginning of the season when he was part of all the trade uh, talks, Keith. But that is Portland needs to understand how lucky they were to have CJ McCall. He is one of the best players to ever put on that jersey. I know he's not in the Clyde Drexler, Damian Lillard conversation, right? But he is one of the best Blazers to ever put on that jersey. Absolutely. You cannot convince me otherwise. He's he has you know top five in points. He has multiple game winners, multiple highlight moments. I mean, his performance against the Nuggets in 2019 is immortalized on a mural in the hallway, and that is not going anywhere. It's going to be there, even though he's traded. Like it's it's there. It's part of history. And yeah, it was great. And the thing was, he never complained. He didn't complain. He didn't publicly ask for a trade. He just, you know, laced his boots, put on his hard hat and went to work. Like, I loved that about him. And he, he was a good guy in all my interactions with him. And yeah, you love it. I mean, quick CJ story, Keith, since we're talking about Do love. It, yeah. Let's be clear. Ago. My love is also going uh, straight over to okay, CJ. Okay, so, so you go don't ahead. need to go yeah, on yeah. this. We're going to sit Continue. here. <laughs> but it was a couple years ago. It was a couple years ago when he, he lost his aunt, right? And he missed a few games of the road trip. At the exact same time, I lost my, my grandpa. So I also missed the first three games of that road trip. I met the team in Cleveland they, after they went to like Houston and uh, like two other cities. And Cleveland was the third stop. I met the team in Cleveland. We were at shoot around. It was CJ's first media availability since being gone. He did the media availability and you could tell that he was still upset. I mean, the, the funeral was yeah. the day before. So I walked over to him after we were all done. I was like, Hey CJ, just you got a quick sec. And he's like, yeah, not a problem. I was like, I just want to say like, you know what you're going through right now, losing your aunt, you know, I'm sending my condolences to you. I was like, you missed the first part of the trip. I missed the part of the trip too. Cause you know, we just laid, you know, my, my grandpa to rest as well. So I totally understand what you're going through. And I just want to say that, you know, I've, now sending my condolences and praying for your family, man. And CJ did not have to, but he like reaches out his hand, shakes my hand. And he's like, Hey, I really, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. You know, make sure you tell your family that I'm sending my best wishes to them as well. So when I got home from the road trip, we we're at my house or at my grandma's house is one of our first family get togethers. I knew it was going to make her ball. I was like, hey, grandma, come here for a sec. Aww. And she's like, what? And I was like, I just want to tell you that on the road trip, I got a chance to kind of one on one talk to CJ McCollum. And he just wanted to make sure that, you know, a trailblazer, CJ McCollum, wants to make sure that you uh, you know that he's sending you his, his prayers and his best wishes. And my grandma just lost it. Oh, man. And it's like that was the kind of person CJ McCollum was because you run into interactions, Keith, when you're in the locker room or you're talking to players like that, like you're just a media or you're just a fly on the wall and they yeah they have an open ear but you can tell that they're gonna they're just brushing you off right and that's that's not a knock on them like these guys got to talk to strangers all day long yeah right but but in that moment i wasn't talking to cj mccollum the basketball player i was talking to cj mccollum christian james mccollum was talking to me as a person and and again it meant a lot i'll never forget it and i know my grandma won't forget it then she told my uncle and my uncle lost it and then next thing you know cj mccollum inadvertently has the entire family crying <laughs> but again it, it it was it was just it was just that that sliver of human behind the basketball player mm. that you don't always get to see yeah dude. that i think he showed when he wrote that players tribune article man so i personally just on a a not like non-professional level just not chris the journalist and cj the basketball player 
just Chris to, to Christian James Ocalm. I will miss CJ being in Portland. Hey, man, dude. Yeah, that man. If I we love were that on story. YouTube like I wanted, you guys would see that Keith is tearing up. <laughs> I would, I hey, look, I'm, I'm an emotional guy, man. That got me. I, I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I shared a story on here a little while ago about um, losing my my grandpa as well. And so it's it's one of those things to hear you talking about that and to hear you and CJ really in there. Like, that's, that's touching, dude. That's super touching. Uh, uh, just another quick thing on, on CJ as far as CJ McCollum, the human being. We had a chance a while ago uh, to do one of these kind of fan interaction with players and, you know, get some pictures taken with him. We ended up using a photo of CJ, my wife and I, Olkin just kind of getting to talk to CJ on the side real quick and, and setting up for it. He was goofy, man. Like, he, he walks in, he's not... Like you're saying, he probably deals with people all day, being like, "Oh my God, CJ, hey, love your game, blah, blah, blah." I'm like wearing a McCollum jersey when I'm going to meet him and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Looked like a total, total fan fanatic, uh, but he didn't, he didn't seem like glossed over in the eyes. He wasn't just kind of like, "Okay, next," you know, and all this kind of thing. He's sitting there chatting and he's having fun. Good man, fun loving dude. Also, obviously, very sentimental and touching. And like you point out, his whole career here in Portland, he was a tenth pick for us. He got married here, uh, opened a winery. His son, Jacoby James, is born here. Uh, and then as far as the stats, too, Casey Holdout. Uh, shout out to Casey hey, and Brooke hey. over on the Blazers Balcony pod. Casey points out CJ is second in three points made for the uh, Blazers, fifth in points, like you said, eighth in assists, eighth in scoring average, ninth in games played. And he did all of that next to Dame, like while playing next to the top Blazer in a lot of these categories, the one guy above him in three points made. He still managed to get to that mark. So it's truly incredible Unless player. I forget, too, this, that, that Damian Lillard, was thrust into that starting role from day one. CJ McCollum was playing behind Wes Matthews. Yeah, he didn't get yeah. a good run until West blue West blew his Achilles. There's so, a, there's I mean, a... he basically didn't play his rookie year really there's a piece in the in the players tribune uh, players tribune article that we'll talk more about later where he was talking about that he's saying oh man i'm never gonna succeed here i'm never gonna start and dame looks him in the eye like no we're gonna run this backcourt and later on dame comes up in total serious straight face after cj exploded in the playoffs and dame's like you see you see we're gonna do that like, you know, just, <laughs> i love the interaction and again we're gonna say this more later with our guest uh but go read cj's players tribune article it is fantastic and we will link it in the uh episode description here all right, well, that's the love. All love to CJ, man. Where is your hugs going? Who are you sending a hug to this week, Chris? My hugs going to all of Rip City, who was obviously uh, not in the best state of mind <laughs> over the, over the last uh, last few days Toxic. with the ebbs and flows of the uh, of the um, trade deadline. Some of them, like I said, a lot of people miss missing CJ McCollum. A lot mm. of people gonna miss Norm. A lot of people upset. Wait, so yeah, the hugs go out to Rip City, baby. That's a good one. I like it. Uh, that's a very sincere hug that you're handing out there. I'm going to have more of a sarcastic hug. My hug is going to the Philly fans. Uh, they they need a hug because they're not all right, man. It's it's not not even about the James Harden trade. But after the Harden for Simmons trade goes down, Ben Simmons gets sent out of Philly, sent over to uh, Brooklyn. The number of Philly fans that I was suddenly seeing in different in replies on different posts talking just talking trash about how ben simmons doesn't actually have any mental health issues going on and look this is a thing we'd brought up on the show previously where i questioned man i hope he's being real i hope he's being sincere about this and it was a little maybe out of place for me to question that i i had doubts at the time but there's there's no question the dude had hang-ups about being in Philly in particular. So when you change that environment, of course that can change your mental health. It can obviously be, a, to change your environment when the environment is the problem, of course that's going to put you in a better spot. Philly fans being total 
idiots, morons, and assholes about it, uh, just taking it too far. So a very sarcastic, you okay there? Kind of hug going to Philly fans. How about your... Well, this is fan in, this is fan in general, before I get to my hate, but this is fan in general, man. If Ben Simmons goes and plays tomorrow and basically is saying that that environment was causing the toxicity for him to not be mentally well to play... Dude, he ain't talking crap about you as a fan. Right, yeah. He's talking about stuff that's going on behind closed doors. Joel and B, Doc Rivers, relationships. I said this here before, Keith. Like, we have, you and I, experience with toxic work environments. (laughs) To the point point where getting out of bed and wanting to go to work was not fun. Mm. But if you would have pulled the rug out from under, under me and sent me to a different place the very next day, my attitude's completely different. Yeah. Like, I, it's grass is greener, sunshine's coming up. Like, that's what happens. So to, to, to instantly call his mental health stuff, like, was it all fake or this and that? Like, dude, if the work environment's toxic and he thinks he's being treated like shit, what, why do, who says he has to go to work? Who says he has to get up and, and, you know, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, no, gravity keeps your boots on the ground. You can't pull your own bootstraps <laughs> up. Your leg. It's, come on. Don't be stupid. Physics. Uh, anyway, but you were asking Science. where my I hate. My hate is going. Yes. And on that same note, my hate is going to the fans. I know my hugs went to the fans, but my hate is going there. And if you're offended by me saying that, then you were the fans that were the problem. <laughs> going to a very specific subset of fans. And that is the subset of fans that made trying to talk about the trade deadline or enjoying the moment or anything on social media over the last week extremely toxic and extremely taxing on the brain. Like, oh, Norman Powell gets traded. I send out a simple tweet about how, oh, I, that's, <laughs> I don't really like that. Like, I feel like they could have got more. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm being called an idiot. How and dare I'm being you? called stupid. And I'm having people calling uh, my professional credentials into question. And people saying that I shouldn't even have a job. Funny enough, I don't. I'm unemployed right now. Thanks <laughs> anyway. Rub it in. But like, dude, like, why? Why? Like, I get it. Like, you could, we can have a civil conversation and not have to be so damn toxic about it. Like, shout out to our Discord, because we had a lot of conversations on Discord that were not as toxic as Twitter was over the right. last week. And it's like, dude, like, why? And there's something, like, and there's some things you can say, and you don't have to be offended by everything, but, like, same things, fans, like, quit getting all over your skis. Like, dude, Justice, Justice Winslow had a good game against the Lakers. The Lakers are a dumpster fire. Justice Winslow, by any metric, is not better than Norman Powell. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop. I get it. Oh, well, that's that's just my opinion. Like, yes, that's your opinion. But I'm tr- I'm going to bring these facts to the table that prove in every measurable metric he's he's not better than Norman Powell. <laughs> like, and then I had people argue with me about it. Like, do you think Norman Powell could have guarded LeBron James? Justice Winslow is a power forward. Norman Powell is a natural shooting guard. Why would you even have Norman Powell guard LeBron James? He gives up six inches and fifty pounds. He's going to get torched. By, by that like, logic, like, I mean, are we saying that Justice, Justice Winslow is a better player than Dame? He wouldn't be able to be right, like, LeBron James. You know, and so, like, again, it's fair to have the opinion. It's fair to, absolutely fair. If you like, like, but but, but at the same point, like, I could see, like, I, I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just annoying. <laughs> That's all, yeah. Like, fans, like, <laughs> I get that, the, like, you want to be, you, you want to try to find the good in every trade, or it, some of you want to try to find the bad in every trade, what have you. But, man, I'm just, just give me some good discourse, some good conversation. Don't call me stupid. Don't call me dumb. Don't act like I'm a f-ing moron. I get it that people <laughs> like to hate on people who worked in the media. And guess what? I swing and I miss sometimes. But my professional credentials hold their own. I worked in this business for almost a decade for a reason. 
get off my back mic drop have fun <laughs> i'm just here to have fun. dude no you're not wrong come on okay okay just don't be toxic don't be toxic you make twitter not fun and twitter should be fun we have a guest on today keith who my only interactions with him have ever been via Twitter. And it was because of Twitter that we were able to get him on this podcast and have this really, really sweet conversation that we're going to drop for you guys in a little bit. So Twitter can be awesome. Make it awesome. But when Twitter is not awesome, come and join our Discord. Because like he said it there, we have more of kind of a, a private, not private, it's an open Blazers community, but it's not Twitter. It, you can have long-form conversations. You can share a lot of different media in there. We have chats during games. You can drop questions for the pod. Eventually, we'll be having live episodes on there. We can participate yeah. in the pod. Come and join the Discord. Uh, link in the episode description. My hate, Chris, before we get to our, our guest this week, my hate. We've had some for the fans. We've had hugs and the rest going around. Mine's going to one of the players. Uh, it's specifically James Harden. I guess that he the the trade happened getting, I, i'm glad that ben simmons got out of philly he needed to i'm a little mad that harden got out of brooklyn because i enjoyed hating brooklyn as like brooklyn was the center of all the nba players that i really dislike not all of them russell westbrook's down here in la and i don't mind hating the lakers too but having Kyrie and harden and even kd all on that roster together made it really easy to just kind of focus on them as the nba villains now he moves over to philly and I mean, I guess it's not that much of an adjustment because I already kind of hate on Philly. I'm not a huge fan of Embiid, and just just kind of it kind of ups their uh, their their hate stock for me a little bit. So my hate is going to Harden. Fair. All right. So moving on from the hate, like you said, we don't want to be toxic. We want to have fun. Let's have a good conversation. We had a great conversation with Evan McCarthy of EvanM.com. Why can I not get that right? Uh, It's early on a Saturday, not the time we're used to podcasting. I am tongue tied. I cannot say clearly EvanM.com. That is E-V-A-N-E-M.com. He has some amazing prints, not just the Blazers, uh, but of artists uh just some some fantastic work that he's been doing over on his site the right at the top you see a a a portrait of cj with the pelicans colors behind and man i might have to pick that up it doesn't fit the color scheme with most of my other stuff but it is it is sweet he's got some really good stuff the john morant one i love uh the norman powell one with the the blazers plaid behind it uh yeah okay we'll we'll talk more about this but please go check out evanm.com evan mccarthy coming up next on the pod All right, joining us now, longtime friend of the show, just amazing, amazing artist, working formerly out of Portland here, now down in New Orleans, longtime Blazers fan. Welcome back again, man. It has been too long. EvanM.com's Evan McCarthy. What's up, buddy? Hey, man. <laughs> How you guys doing, Chris? How you doing, Keith? Good to talk to you both. Wonderful, man. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Excited to be here. Exciting, exciting times basketball wise and i guess the fact that things are changing um exciting down here in new orleans for sure yeah how can how can it not be you guys just got and uh, you know you guys the <laughs> pelicans i'm lumping you in as a member of the I pelicans know. here now evan it's, yeah it's a dangerous you, you got the long beloved blazer blazer fan favorite cj mccollum down there who uh everyone in portland kind of sits here and looks at that deal wondering you know why i feel like you could have got more personally I think it's right in line with what CJ's worth was on the open market. And the reason we wanted to have you on, and I, I, I've had this discourse with you on Twitter, because I saw you tweeting about it, had to had to comment, and you commented back, is I 
have been long on this Josh Hart train as well. And I think he's grossly underrated by casual basketball fan. So for someone who's been down there in New Orleans, has been watching these Pelicans games, give Portland fan the skinny on Josh Hart. Yeah, absolutely. So in first and foremost, my my girlfriend down here, she's a humongous Pelicans fan. So like 98% of my knowledge when it comes to Pelicans stuff is through her because she's like, as much as I'm dialed into Blazers basketball, she's dialed into Pelicans basketball. So it's been great <laughs> to like pick up information from her. Like Josh Hart's like one of her favorite players. Um, so Josh Hart is down here. He's played both off the bench. He started, he's played a shooting guard. He's played small forward. He's basically the type of dude that does all the small gritty things that uh, the other type of guards, like for instance, the previous four guards that the Blazers have, he does the stuff that they don't want to do get on the floor, run the break, get rebounds. I mean, at like 6'5 or 6, I think he's like 6'5, he averages almost eight rebounds a game as a guard, which is crazy. Um, and that's what you're going to get in Portland. Like, I thought it was very telling that he, the other night he sat on the bench for the game against the Lakers. And uh, after the game, the person he called out on Twitter was Dennis Smith Jr. because he had like however many steals, six steals he may have had yesterday. He had a lot of steals. And I thought it was just so telling that the person that he calls out after the game is Dennis Smith Jr. Because I'm like, that's the type of game that Josh Hart likes to play too. Just gritty, get in your face on defense, go after loose balls, um, get rebounds, push the pace. So I think Blazer fans are going to be really excited about him. That's excellent. And yeah, we had a briefly just going over the details on the trade there. We beyond Josh Hart also picked up Nikhil Walker Alexander or sorry Nikhil Alexander Walker re uh, reverse of the notes there who was uh, moved on Sadaransky Didi Lozada like you said the the draft picks the 22 first round pick was that one, the one from the Pelicans is it or is that the uh, the Spurs transfer you know offhand yes yeah so it is the it's going to be the Pelicans pick but it's one through four protected Right, so right, right. if the Pelicans somehow um, in the lottery land in one through four, the Pelicans get it. If it's five through 14, the Blazers get it. If the Pelicans go on a tear and they some, like if they get in the playoffs, basically it's not going to be a lottery pick. And if that's the case, then it turns into a 2025 bucks top four protected first round pick, I believe. Thank you. Thank, thank you for the breakdown. Look at this guy coming in uh, with, the, with the research as well. <laughs> uh, the reason I was asking about the other values from the trade, though, because there was initially some debate back and forth on if Josh Hart was going to be a player here versus if he and these other pieces are all just kind of considered trade assets for a future move. It sounds like from what you're saying, though, Evan, your expectations uh, with kind of your Blazers knowledge as well as seeing Josh Hart up close, you think he's a fit enough that we could see this guy in a Blazers jersey long term? Look, I mean, I can't speak for Cronin and what they have planned. I know that one attractive thing about Josh Hart in, like, the finance side is that his contract isn't guaranteed, but isn't fully guaranteed next year. I will say that um, if you have a backcourt rotation of Dame, Ant, and then Hart coming off the bench and then do it where they've talked about for years they wanted to do with CJ and Dame where they stagger the minutes where one of them is running, pushing point, it makes way more sense to do it now that Josh Hart is here. So basically you can start the game with Damon Ant and then bring in Hart off the bench and then do a bunch of minutes of Damon Hart and then bring Ant off the bench and Ant and Josh Hart and then just kind of stagger it that way. Like that rotation makes way more sense than any of the guard rotations we've had since basically Wesley Matthews was in Portland. 
kind of what they, I think, tried to do with Norman Powell for a while, just having that kind of defensive guard to kind of work into the rotation between Damon and CJ. But yeah, maybe fits a little bit better with, with Josh Hart. I like that idea. Yeah, and I mean, the Norm thing, it was tough because our previous GM sold us on him playing the three, which everyone knew that that wasn't going to work. And Norm is best suited as a two, which mm. that's just his natural fit. Like, I know this whole concept of like wing oh, he's got a wingspan man his wingspan crazy <laughs> of course he can play the three and it's like no he's just not naturally not a three and it's not a knock on norm it's just not his position so yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. as where it's yeah, yeah the two completely different players like like josh hart on the other hand like if you get into the situation where you have to start him at the small forward you're not it's not a norm powell situation you're not playing him out of position if you have to start him at the power forward as odd as it sounds you're not starting him out of position he's he's very well versed in all these things he's kind of the jack of all trades and i've already seen the talk as we've been on spaces and different things like that again people talking about the non-guaranteed status and how you know they see this as more of like a salary dump move with bledsoe and ingles and all that and i personally think if you if you are trying to rebuild this thing quickly around dame which all indications is that's what they're doing then letting josh hart go for anything and not making him part of your plans is asinine he's too talented to just let go for nothing I, I 100% agree. I mean, he's the type of person that is perfect to play next next to Dame. I, Dame will love playing with him so, so much. Because, again, he does the things that a lot of the guards that we've had, he does the things that they don't want to do. And he has no problem doing it. You're absolutely correct, Chris, in that he did start a ton of games for the Pelicans at small forward. No problem. He can definitely do that. He guards up, for sure. Um, so that can happen. Like, you, if you needed to, in a pinch, start him at the three, like, say, if Nas doesn't develop more than we think he could or if there's injuries like yeah he could definitely slot in there and he doesn't have an ego like he has no problem coming off the bench he knows his impact on the team so i would be i think once i think fans leading into this trade or right after this trade talking about the non-guarantee what can happen i think what's going to happen knowing blazer fans is that once they see him start playing they're gonna be like oh i love like love this guy and we should keep right. him on the roster I can see that. He's definitely already kind of uh, endearing himself to fans. He had some some tweets yesterday about, uh, I think it's about coffee, uh, looking for coffee around town or something. And then I think Joe Ingles then, turned yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. And he bought Joe Ingles a coffee today. Right. Coming into the arena. He's, <laughs> I gotta, he said, I got to keep my Aussie happy. Uh, now, before we get to CJ and how it impacts the Pelicans and whatever other question Keith has real quick, I want to talk about Joe Ingles for a second. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Alexander Walker came in the deal with Portland Portland flips him to Utah Gets Joe Ingles who's out for the year While he's rehabbing that torn ACL Cronin made it sound in the post Or in his you know, post-trade deadline press conference That they have intent to, to keep Joe around After this if they can Especially if they get him on a nice cat-friendly deal I can see where the value is there But I actually saw a lot of value in Alexander Walker. He has, you, you talk about wingspan. He plays a long game. He's a talented young player that I could see Portland using in a variety of roles. He's kind of a one through three guy. Uh, what's your take on him? Do you think moving on from him so quickly to take this flyer on Joe Ingles is the right move? Or would you have liked to see him stay in Portland? So I, I've always kind of liked Nah. Um, he is, and I've tweeted this before that like, if you watched highlights of him with the ball in his hand where he did, creates his own shot and then rises up and then it stops right there, you'd be like, oh, he's good. Like, he can create his own shot. He just hasn't been efficient in scoring the ball. It's been actually kind of frustrating. That being said, the Portland game, when they came into New Orleans earlier this year, I went to the game 
And it was close until the fourth quarter, and Na went six for six from behind the arc in the fourth quarter and had 18 points and, like, mm-hmm. buried us. So, like, he is capable. I, I look at it this way. Like, I wouldn't – he fits the criteria of a dude that, like, in three or four years we look back and be like, ah, we maybe should have kept him. Like, not, like, definitively, like, oh, he's going to be a star, but it's like, man, that guy could be a good roster piece. Um, I know – I mean, I tweeted this. If he would have played for the Blazers, he would have driven Blazer fans crazy because his shot selection is not great. <laughs> and it's one of those things where, like, maybe – Maybe coaching, but then again, like the the Pelicans coach Willie Green, I think is going to be one of the better coaches of the NBA. So it's like if he can't get through to him, um, and he's a good dude too. Like he's a good human being. So that's always fun to have on your roster. And he wasn't making a lot of money. I get it from both ends. I would not have been upset if he would have stayed in Portland. They just right. did it to get rid of the Nah Nas confusion. That's what that was. They just <laughs> didn't have that. I couldn't have that. All right, what you got, Keith? Well, you actually segued in there perfectly, Mr. Master of Segways. Thank you for that. Uh, speaking of the the name confusion like Na and Nas, we've had some discussions before. I just want to get Evan M's take on this as far as uh, Aunt uh, Simons and Aunt Edwards over in Minnesota. Uh, Evan, I've had kind of a campaign going here with Trailcasters of trying to get uh, Aunt Simons' nickname changed over to Penny, trying to get more people on board calling him Penny Simons. Obviously, you know the background where Anthony Hardaway uh, is his namesake who went by Penny Hardaway in the league here for any fans that are not up on their history. Uh, but what do you think? Can I get you calling him Penny Simons or, or you, uh, where are you at? I mean, I like it. I like it. I'm just lazy and like Aunt, like – Literally, whenever I tweet about Anthony Simons, I love the fact that I just have to type in three letters and everyone knows what I'm talking about. So, like, <laughs> that's I, that's just, yeah, I'm just like lazy like that. And like, Anthony Edwards, like, I love Anthony Edwards, and I think he's going to be a superstar. And but I guess I don't follow enough like Timberwolf circles to like see people calling him that all the time. And maybe as his star grows bigger, it'll be more prevalent. Like the mellow, like the uh, mellow, mellow thing. Mellow, yeah, like, totally. Ah, that's all right. I'll, I'll work on you more later. I'll, I'll get you there eventually. We'll get you on it. <laughs> Ant just flows, Keith. I know it's the hill you're dying on, I mean, but Ant just flows. You, you say it flows. To me, it sounds like the buzzer sounds like Ant. Like, that's what it sounds like calling someone Ant Simons. And that, that's, you know, that's, that's the sound effect I use on here. You say Ant is the Ant sound. But if you go Penny, you get like a ka-ching. So just, just throwing that out there, maybe it's some added incentive. I do like that. it. I mean, it's not that I don't like it. I'm just so <laughs> set in my ways. You know? That's all right. We'll, we'll uh, you know, I'll get you, uh, I'll, I'll get you, I'll, I'll, be, I'll just be tagging you in all the tweets, calling him Penny. We'll get this uh, into your brain eventually. Maybe we'll get you on here later on in the season, and, and we'll have a, a we'll have won you over. Let's talk about the other guard in the mix, though. Unless Chris, you had anything else you wanted to kind of jump in with? No, nope. go on, my friend. Let's talk about the other guard in the mix here, uh, who is now down with you in New Orleans, but the long-term fixture for Portland, CJ McCollum. He wrote an amazing Players Tribune article, which I want to we can get to in a second. But first things first, Evan. How do you feel about him in, in New Orleans? We've heard kind of the, the, the media side as far as, oh, I think I'll be able to fit in here as the vet and, you know, work with these young guys. But do you see that? Do you see it working down there? Oh, yeah. I mean, 100%. Um, this young Pelicans team's got a really interesting, talented roster um, headed by Brandon Ingram. I mean, we can get to Zion. Who knows if... The thing I like about the Pelicans down here is it feels like they many times uh, operate as if, let's just pretend like he may never come back. And that's kind of how they handle business. So Brandon Ingram, I think, is one of the more underrated players in the NBA. And he's like 24, 25 years old. Like, he 
was banged up earlier in the year, but he is like a legitimate all-star, like fringe. He made the all-star team a year or two ago, but like when healthy, he's like a legitimate all-star. But he's kind of a quiet guy, kind of a subdued guy. Um, like I mentioned, Zion, like there's no need for a discussion about him being a leader of a team because he's only played so many games. And then they've got a bunch of younger dudes. I think that CJ McCollum, when you talk about a locker room fit, is perfect. It's perfectly in with what they need. He's going to be respected, right? He's the president of the MVPA. So, like, he has leadership qualities for sure. Um, and it's, I just think that they've been starved for someone like that. Um, so it's exciting to get him, get him in the door. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, the Tribune article, he wrote that he wanted to go to New Orleans. And I've seen, thanks to like the fancy algorithms on Twitter, I now get a bunch of tweets from Pelicans fans, which is great because I love seeing it. <laughs> Haven't seen one Pelicans fan on my Twitter feed bash the trade. They all love it. And they're so nice. happy to have CJ. Um, but someone noted, they're like, man, if you say you love New Orleans, we're going to love you right back, like no matter what, no matter your faults or whatever. Like if you say you want to be here and you love us, like that's all we need. Um, so it's exciting. It's super exciting. That's excellent. Yeah, man, I, I feel like New Orleans and, and Portland kind of have, at least the fan bases have that going a little bit where they're maybe, you know, similarly not super respected around the league. But if you come into into that city and and, you know, put your heart in there for it, Yeah, the fans are going to are going to welcome you, man. Why? And that was kind of the issue with Anthony Davis was that like he gosh, and Anthony, so Anthony Davis is an interesting topic of discussion in New Orleans like people in New Orleans obviously don't like him because he basically quit on them and with like basically two years left on his deal was like trade me and like I mm. want to go to Lakers that's where you're trading me um and then just the entitlement of Anthony Davis like people forget that Anthony Davis played in New Orleans for I think seven years and and he was considered you know he was like a, a, a top draft pick considered to be like the next big thing there was like talks where he's like god is he gonna be an mvp candidate one day in his i believe seven years in new orleans they won five they've won five playoff games and four of them against the blazers in that sweep <laughs> he's only played in like yeah so like he's, <laughs> his time in new orleans it's like dude before you teamed up with lebron like you're not a winner at all and like the, the sense of entitlement that you have and and you can, people argue like, oh, their front office was terrible. They didn't have players around them. But like, look at what Dame did in his early years in Portland after LaMarcus, West, Nick, and Rolo left. Like those yep. rosters were terrible. And he <laughs> took them to the playoffs and they won playoff games. So like yep. him being hey. gone, like the fans are fine with him being gone. And they just want people that want to be here. Hey, you're preaching to the choir on 80 because we had this debate a while back might have been on spaces or the pod but i i do not drink the anthony davis is the top five big man in the nba kool-aid i'm sorry mm. i know he's uber talented but phew, give me Jokic, give me Embiid, give me cat i'm not putting my money on ad but that's a different conversation <laughs> <laughs> but back to new orleans fan for for a second i think it's interesting because keith kind of talked about the parallels like to me, and Evan can jump in because now that he's there, but they're, they're the same but different. Because in Portland, the Blazers are all you have until the Timbers came to town and mm. took it big, right? But Portland is all you had. New Orleans is a football town. That is New Orleans Saints all day long. And the, the I would argue that the like the Pelican fan base isn't as like big, if you will, as the Portland fan base. Like they're not selling out Smoothie King Arena arena every single night. And of course, Portland isn't now since COVID and they've been really bad. But <laughs> the person who has taken the time to be a Pelican fan 
is a passionate as all hell Pelican mm. fan. So like their fan base that they have is very unique in that. So it, it's cool. It's fun. It's different, but the same. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. And it's funny. I posted, so I went to CJ's first game as a Pelican on Thursday night and I posted some videos nice. and like just a bunch of Blazer fans like, look how empty it is in there. And I'm like, so first off, it was an early tip. So like people weren't in there yet. And then I had to post like clips of the broadcast in the third quarter, like posted them in reply. And they're like, oh, there, there's all those people. Like it just, it, it hadn't filled in yet. And like there were people there, but to your point, Chris, like the people are super passionate and super knowledgeable and they love their Pelicans, especially the people that are going to these games. Like it's fun to be around them. Like they get it. They know what's going on. They know basketball. Um, it's just taken a while. The, the big, the big thing that's going to move this franchise forward is not bringing in CJ. CJ is going to help Zion. If he comes back, whatever, but it was the coaching hire of Willie green. Like that dude is like a legit going to be a legit head coach. Those guys play hard for him. The, the Pelicans started the season one in 12 this season. And like any team that starts one in 12, you're just like, pack it up. Let's, you know, win 12 games this year, get a number one pick. And now the Pelicans are, you know, in the 10 seed for the play in and like fighting to win. And it's all because those dudes play so hard for, for Willie Green. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's, it's interesting how a player can change like his narrative and a perspective of a team when he moves to because it's interesting because earlier in the season i know uh, i had mentioned brandon ingram as a name that i could see being moved at the deadline because a the pelicans started slow out of the gates and b you didn't know which direction they were going they've completely flipped flipped that script i don't see him going anywhere now right and then they go out and they trade for, for cj which makes a giant splash for them so the portland fan base you say CJ doesn't move the needle for us. He can't get us over the hump. We need to get rid of him. But the Pelican fan base gets him. And now it's, God, this is the guy that can really help us, you know, make that push. It's the game and I, changer. I, I think that's interesting, kind of how that narrative changes. And it's not a knock on uh, fans' takes or a player because circumstances and team chemistry and team build matter. Yeah. Uh, and I really like the pairing, as you've talked about, like the, the Brandon Ingram CJ pairing. Like, because of the skill set Brandon Ingram brings, I, I feel can if they build the team right and they have a coach that you've talked about that the team likes, they can possibly find more success than the Dame and CJ duo just because they're not the exact same player. It's a different fit, like, yeah. They're, they're two different skill sets, two different types. Like If I'm a Pelican fan, I'm so intrigued by what the future of this team holds. Yeah, and, and to your point, what you brought up, which I was thinking, I was talking to my friend down here in New Orleans about this the other day because he was trying to get this... Because, like, in a, you know, when we live on Blazer Twitter and we're in that bubble, we are in, like, a bubble. And this and my friend down here who's a fan was like, I don't get, like, why are Blazer fans, like, what is the narrative on CJ? This is crazy. And there's basically been three narratives with two of them, which I don't agree with. It's The first is CJ's contract's really bad. And it kind of is bad. Um, but the thing is, like, you don't ever fault players. Like, we should be rooting for players to make as much money as they can, like, these, some of these owners are evil people and like, please take as much of their money as you can. So like, <laughs> I don't fair, fault, yeah. like CJ may, CJ may be overpaid. That's not his fault. Like take as much money as you can. So that's one narrative. The next narrative is TJ McCollum isn't good because he has that contract. That means he's not good. And that's ridiculous. TJ McCollum is a very good <laughs> basketball player. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the third narrative is it wasn't a good fit in Portland. And that is the narrative. Like the reason it's not that CJ is not good. His contract, whatever. Uh, it just wasn't a good fit. And like, if he went to a team where it was a good fit, 
the Pelicans guards, the Pelicans backcourt before CJ got here was, I think, 28th in three-point shooting in the league. So you don't think that CJ McCollum's going to help that? The other night in the game that I went to, you, you mentioned the fit there with Ingram. CJ had a poor shooting night, I think partially because he got into New Orleans at like three in the morning that day. So I think he was tired. <laughs> so he missed shots, but like some of his shots he were getting were wide open threes, like corner three looks that he's going to knock down. And right. It's like, man, and that's, and Zion isn't even playing. And like, we all know that like the kind of how the gravity on the floor works in Zion's and like the looks that, that CJ is going to get on this team is going to be crazy. Yeah. If Zion comes back and is healthy, imagine oh, <laughs> the pick and roll that you're going to be able to run that CJ's been running for nine years in Portland that you're just going to be able to run with Zion. Oh, man. And then Portland fans are going to be really upset the first time they see <laughs> CJ throw a lob to Zion and be like, oh, my gosh, he could throw a lob. <laughs> <laughs> it was there the whole time. <laughs> Him yeah. or the, other, the, the guy who I wanted in the trade, Jackson Hayes, who was like, you know, seven foot one that catches anything you throw near the rim, he'll throw down. He'll be throwing lobs to him, too, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, to your point about CJ's contract, it's interesting. This is that was my same argument, but with Norman Powell. Everyone talked about how bad Norman Powell's contract was. I'm like, dude, the guy's gonna go get you 15, 20 points a night, and you're gonna, you're paying him 15 mil a year right now. How is that bad? It's only bad because you already had 80 million dollars lumped into guards in Portland. It was bad for Portland, but right. not a bad contract in general. Right, like, yeah. It's 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 both roster fit as well as just like fit of where I mean like even what you brought up, Evan, as far as people shouldn't be mad at the players for the money they make. I think if anything, people are mad not at CG for the money he made, but at the money that Neil doled out and where he doled it out. Just in that same sense of what Chris is saying, it was just too much in the backcourt. We had too much built up that way. But and the well and one more thing about the CJ contract that like the national media nerds, and this is where it gets so frustrating, where they like break down cap implications mm. and flexibility moving forward for the Pelicans. Like, oh, he's owed $68 million next year. And it's like, shut up with all that. Because um, last year, the Pelicans cleared cap, cap space because they tried to sign Kyle Lowry. And Kyle, like, it just, that was never going to happen. Kyle Lowry was never going to sign as a free agent to come to New Orleans. New Orleans, just like Portland, cannot sign free agents. Not a free agent destination, yeah. No. In an open market, if CJ were a free agent, he probably wouldn't even take a meeting with the Pelicans. So if <laughs> that guy be, if that guy becomes available and you can go get him, then that's like that's what small market that's what how small market teams have to operate. And he fills a need. And sure, for two years he's going to make that much money. But you know what else? You know who's not getting his contract yet in the next two years? It's Zion Williamson. So it's fine. It's actually fine that he makes that much money. Um, and then who knows, you know, if it doesn't work, God forbid, after this next full year, the year after that, then you've got an expiring contract that you can move if you want to. So, um, but again, it goes back to, you got to think like guys who score 22 points a game don't become available all the time. So when they right, do, right. and I mean, what did they really get? I mean, I love Josh Hart, but like, you know, they gave up Josh Hart and potentially a first round pick. I mean, a first round pick at some point. Um, but it wasn't, you know, they kept it top four protected, which is great for them. If things go sideways this year and they fall in the top four, they keep it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think the deal made sense. And that's, again, the, the national media people were talking about, oh, cap implications. It's like, shut up. <laughs> they had a chance to go get a guy who's first 22 a game and they got him. So. Hey, don't, don't make me go defend my media brethren, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
No, okay, well, let's Keith, uh, Keith, Keith. Keith knows. Keith knows. Keith knows. Even as a a tenured member of the media who has been the you know the target from from the fan base before, which I'm glad you took the time to even talk to me since I was media, Evan. Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I I do throw my media brothers under the bus all the time when they say dumb shit. <laughs> Here's the thing. I like the local media. Like local media is fine because they're tuned in. It's like you know, like I remember during this trade deadline, uh, John Hollinger in one of his articles was like, the Blazers could trade CJ to Toronto for Malachi Flynn, Gordon Dragic is expiring, and like a second round pick or something like that. And I was like, why the the Blazers would do that? For the Blazers, no, like what? And that's what you get with these national media people. They're like, they come out with the stuff, and it's like you just don't understand. Like, and it's not, maybe not their fault. Like, we are so tuned into what's going on locally that they just don't get it. But, like, there are trades like that where it's like, what are you talking about? The, listen, the, the one that killed me the most, during, uh, it was it was pre-deadline a little while back, but um, Jay Williams at one point goes on and just blurted out, oh, Portland should trade Dame for Kyrie. That makes sense for both sides. And I'm like, no, no, I cannot listen to anything you say ever again. Uh, but, hey— We've been talking about how CJ getting down in New Orleans makes sense. Uh, Roster-wise, contract-wise, it helps New Orleans out. Let's flip this around a little bit and, again, lean on some of your Blazers expertise and talk more about the rebuild in Portland. Uh, how do you feel the effort is going? Like, obviously, this is kind of a first step. We all know that the, the we're still kind of waiting for more moves in the offseason, obviously, that since not enough happened uh, pre-deadline for the Blazers. But... How's your hopes, I guess? Like, where where are you optimistically uh, or otherwise on the Blazers' rebuild? Yeah, so, like, I was a little underwhelmed at the trade deadline, but not because, like, for, like, little minutiae stuff. I wasn't the type of person who's like, oh, my God, you should have went out and gotten something crazy for CJ. Like, I've been tweeting for the past year that, like, Blazer fans might be a little upset with the value that they – there's, like, what they think he's worth and what they're going to get back. Like, I was on board right. with that, but, like, my – for instance, for the CJ trade, my bummer was like, man, I wish we could have got Jackson Hayes instead of nah, because I thought that Jackson Hayes could actually play for the Blazers. Or like, man, we gave up Nance too. Could we not have gotten Nance, more? Nance, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, and Norm, the Norm trade was kind of a head scratcher as well. Like, I didn't think Norm had that much value. And I was one of the people who, I went and found the tweet the day after Norm signed that five-year deal. And I was like, wait, five years? Like, this is... For a guy who's in his late 20s, like, this is a long time. Like, this contract, and so many people are like, no, 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 it's fine. When the time comes to trade him, it's a great, great value, great deal. And then we end up getting, like, basically nothing back, like a second round before. <laughs> like, yeah, that wasn't good. Um, so I was fine. Like, it's fine. And I understand what Joe Cronin's doing. Um, I think when talking about, and this is what some people don't want to do, because I guess it's not fun and it's kind of a bummer. But when you talk about like what moves a team like Portland's making in this case, um, I take a step back and look at like what is the mandate and the direction coming from the top. Um, we basically have an absentee owner who's in place because uh, her brother passed away. And mm -hmm. my thing is like, does Jody Allen care about winning basketball games? Or I think it was pretty safe to say, especially with the Norm trade, the Norm and Rocco trade was uh, she wanted to get under the tax threshold. She didn't want to pay more money for this roster. I don't blame her. Um, but my worry is, I think it's a tough sell to the fan base. So Joe Cronin's being genuine where he's saying, gotta be patient with us. This offseason, we're going to have TPEs and MLEs and cap space and all this stuff. Um, I think it's a tough sell to the fan base. For And then for right. me, it's just like, what if we just have a cheap owner who wants to save money and like we have a dedicated mm -hmm. guy and 
Dame and they say, hey, if you want the extension, um, and someone came at me, they're like, well, then why not trade Dame? If, if that's her goal before she sells the team is save all this money. And I'm like, there is a cap threshold you need to get to. So you do have to like pay a certain amount of money. <laughs> and he's the one guy who sells tickets. So, and if you're yeah. willing to be here, then yeah, pay him. And yes. then, you know, convince people that we're trying to build something. Who knows? I mean, it's, you can't look at what we have right now and be super encouraged. And like, I would tell fans this, with this organization, they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. They just don't. Hmm. Yeah. All the years, all the years from GM bro and all the shit that he tried selling us. And uh, Joe Cronin seems like a nice guy. And I think that he, what he had to do, I think what he was told, he did what he was told to do. And I think he did it probably as best as he could. Um, but like, I don't like, I don't know what the blueprint is this off season. Like, you pray for a number one pick, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> first yeah, first man. off, thank you for mentioning that there is a cap floor because I just don't think that <laughs> enough people realize that that like there is a set amount of money that you have to spend no matter what. So right. when you have a Dame or you have a twelve million dollars in a Josh Hart or at the end of the day nine million in Bledsoe, like it, it, maybe you don't get anything in return, but you had to have that money spent somewhere. Yeah. You gotta spend like look at the Thunder. That's like. This trade deadline, everyone's like, oh, well, if you need to get a pick or if you need something, uh, just trade it to the Thunder because they're like $20 million under the cap threshold. They got to like, you know, or whatever. They got to get above that threshold. And isn't that <laughs> how it works where it's, it's totally brutal for a team like the Thunder where like if they're under the cap threshold, it's like say, for instance, they're $10 million under the threshold then they have to just turn around and pay everyone on their roster that 10 million equally. Like it's something like have, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it divides out. So it's like, that's why those players on those teams were like, please don't bring else in, anyone else in. I want that extra money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then it just it puts it puts the young guys who are making league minimum into a completely new tax bracket. It's just not fair. Adam. <laughs> it's just not fair. But real quick, before we move on, Keith, I know you got a question, but I, uh, this is something I've said uh, here with you before, Keith. And, and out on Twitter and in various different circles. But you go, you go back to Jody Allen real quick in ownership. It, it, That's it's perfect. not That's coincidental that if you take a three-hour drive up north that the Seattle uh, Seahawks have been rumored to be possibly moving on from a Super Bowl-winning head coach, have been rumored to be wanting to trade their disgruntled Damian Lillard version of football, which is Russell Wilson, right? The guy who's been bred to be a Seattle Seahawk and is one of the best quarterbacks in the league who makes them a winning franchise as long as he wears that uniform. But there's rumors swirling about them getting rid of him and dysfunction within the ranks in the Seattle Seahawks and the common denominator between the Seahawks and the Blazers, Jody Allen and the Vulcans. So it's not coincidental. Like the, the, read the, the, if you, if you follow the yellow brick road, it's gonna yeah. take you there. And so yeah, it, to me, the Blazers will not uh, be in their best. Like maybe they'll put together a winning team, maybe they'll get over this hump, but they still will not be the best version of themselves until Jody Allen can sell the team. And then, you know, uh, honestly, Chris, that wasn't even as much a segue. You just took the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly where <laughs> I was going with it. Because uh, to point out what, like, in addition to what you just said and what Evan had uh, said initially, Evan, I think it was yesterday when you were on Twitter, you wrote to Blazers legend Mike Rice. You said to the Wild One, what is your take on Jody Allen and her commitment to the Blazers? And he, he quote, tweets, he writes back, that, my friend, is the big question only Jody can answer. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know, man, especially when we saw... 
we heard Cronin come in, talk about his vision at first when he was introduced, talk about wanting to rebuild the team, talking about being a, a real cap guru and wanting to kind of work all this out. I, I had confidence that it wasn't going to be more uh, more Neil, more Neilisms and Olsheaisms. Uh, and then with that first trade, like you mentioned, the Norman Rocco trade and the value we got back from it, even then in the CJ trade, by including Nance and the value we got back and people kind of question, is that enough? It does make you wonder who is, who is really behind these decisions, if it's Cronin or, or Jody. I, I got to maintain faith. I got to try and have hope. Um, I, I really... Here's the other yeah, thing about yeah. Jody. Remember, um, we fired our previous GM uh, for cause, so they didn't have to pay him. Mm, um, yep. Does anyone think that like Jody had a real issue with, with him or, uh, you know, he made a lot, he negotiated a lot of money for himself. Do we think that they would have fired Neil if they got to the end of their investigation and couldn't from cause? Because he was a terrible GM. Like, he deserved to be fired. Mm. Um, but do we think that she would have been like, because if you fire him uh, without cause, you got to pay him and then turn around and pay. And then that ties right. into this. People, Joe Cronin is going to be the GM moving forward. He's going to be the least paid GM in the league because he's an interim now. I know that they keep telling people that they're going to conduct a search. I don't buy it at all. You think he said? Know. Oh, my God. I think 100% he's going to be our GM. Because, again, he'll be probably one of the least paid GMs in the league, which is mm. great. Um, for if you, It's great if you're Jody Allen and you want to save money. If and you're positioning for a thing. sale, yeah. And, you, and, again, I like to take steps back. If you were – there's only 30 of these jobs in the NBA. And if you're a reputable dude who wants a GM job um, – would you look at the situation in Portland and be like, oh, she's going to sell the team at some point. And when whoever she sells the team to, like these owners come in and they like clear house because they want all their own people. Right, right. right. So, so if you're like a GM in the league and you're like, oh, I don't want to go there and then get canned in a couple of years when she sells the team. So that's why Joe, that's why Cronin fits the bill perfectly. It's like you were intern GM, you've been here forever. Um, so we'll just take off the label and then just be here until it's time for, you know, someone's going to come in and, by the team and probably replace you. Yeah, it's it's just it is it's disappointing to hear that Cronin's kind of feet have been maybe more or less cut out from under him. Uh, you know, when when he may have had this idea, never any chance that any potential chance he had to to really make changes. Yeah, it doesn't sound like he's really going to have uh, the full power, the full resources behind him for it. But he said, didn't didn't he say early when he first got the interim job that he can take things to the ninety nine yard line, but it's not up to him. Right, to Jody and the Vulcans. Very telling quote at this point to be. So able when to people back on when, that, yeah. when when people were bashing Conan for the Norm trade, it's like if the Vulcans and Jody thought it was bad, they're the ones who signed off on it. I, I personally think that they gave him a mandate that said, save us money. I don't care yep. what you do. Go, go save money. And he did. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the very least, yeah, it was, it was a more of a move for the cap than it was for the rebuild. And again, it's, it's, it's frustrating. I've said before, I wanted to make sure we had both feet going the same direction. And I was referring to rebuild around Dame versus totally blow up the team kind of idea and, and rebuilding young. They haven't even really done that, but at the very least, I'd want them to keep both feet in the direction of rebuilding in some way, not like the half rebuild and half just yeah positioning for for sales. It's frustrating. It's it's tough to know what's going to happen. All, all Blazers fans can really do is kind of wait it out, see what happens next in the summer, what kind of rebuild moves happen, or, or yeah, it's uh, oh, my sorry, fear. You... And I I tweeted this in my fear. If if we get in the summer and the, the line is we cleared cap space so that we could turn around and give Anthony Simons, who deserves a big payday, so we could pay him and nerd 
that's that's the kind of the, the thinking behind it. It's like we are still right. I mean, we are right back where we were, but worse because CJ did make us a better team when he was here. You know what I mean? Like that would that's a tough sell to the fan base if that's what ends up happening. That we clear all this space, we could pay Nurk and pay Ant, and now here right. We right. Instead of the idea where they're clearing space to bring in some big, uh, big signing, you know, which is uh, again, like we said earlier, not really the 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 common course if you look at the history of the team, and not really the, the free agent destination and the rest. Or I guess cap space is not just about free agency. So there's there's hope, but yeah, I don't know. I'm holding on to hope. I'm t- <laughs> I'm trying to stay positive for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, let's uh let's flip this around again back to something a little more positive before we get you out of here. Um. Let's talk about this Players Tribune article. We were touching on CJ earlier, and if if you have not yet read this article, we're going to link this in the episode description because you Blazer fans need to read this one. If not just for closure on CJ and his time here, this dude had some gold, man. He wrote some really, really solid words <laughs> in this piece. Um, one of the big quotes that's been popping out just to kind of give people a, a taste would be you don't spend nine years in a place like this without it having a deep impact on you. I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about your soul. And, uh, you know, yeah, th- there's, there's a lot in here. Uh, what do you see, Evan, anything stand out to you as far as, you know, he's got like the story about the watch. He referenced uh, Debo when referring to making Dame cry at one point, like, <laughs> what do you like when you read this? Yeah. I mean, in between wiping tears from my face reading it. I read it this morning, yeah. but I couldn't read it yesterday. <laughs> like, uh, I was um, down here in New Orleans. There was a parade uh, last night. When it came out, like right when I was heading out, like getting in the lift, I'm like, I can't read this right now. So I'm going to cry in front of this grown man driving me in this lift. Like, he's going to be like, what the hell's wrong with my man? Um, so I read it this morning. And yeah, I mean, there were some great anecdotes in there. CJ's just a good dude. Like, if if nothing else, like you could be frustrated with his play, but like it's he's a very someone who's very easy to root for. I mean, given his come up, we've all seen the pictures of him playing in college where he looks like he's 12 years old. And just for <laughs> him to put himself in the position he's in now. And like it was great to see the respect between Joe Cronin and him. He obviously was part of this um from the beginning. And then the part that stood out to me, which again, I, I kind of hinted at earlier with people down in New Orleans, like all you got to do is say that you want to be in New Orleans and they'll love you. So for him saying at the end, he's like, I wanted to go to New Orleans. Um, mm. I think it was huge. It was, yeah. yeah. And it was great that, you know, I was at the game and there are kids sitting next to me because I sat right behind the bench, like five rows behind the bench. And, um, you know, when he came out for warmups, like kids screaming his name, CJ, CJ, like people were like excited. They, we're already selling his jerseys at the team store, which I, my seats weren't near the team store. So I wasn't able, like I didn't get over there to get one, but I'm going, I'm going on uh, Monday to see Gary Trent, the Raptors. And then Tuesday, nice. John Morant and the Grizzlies are in town. So I'm going to both those games Monday and Tuesday. Nice. Um, nice dude. But yeah, no, that piece was great. Um, he will be missed both for his play. I mean, and he's also given us some of the most memorable playoff moments we've had in years. Oh you know, yeah. That game seven against Denver, like unbelievable. So he will be yeah. missed. I mean, I selfishly, I say he will be missed. Your boy's going to watch him a lot in person. So, <laughs> you know, sucks for yeah, everyone man. else. Great for me. <laughs> no. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to check back in with you, get you some more, uh, some more McCollum reports throughout the season. McCollum from McCarthy down uh, in New Orleans, but uh, also the Pelicans will be back up here on March 30th. So listeners, if you can grab seats uh, for that game, that's gonna be a good one to kind of uh, to see him one last time, just to kind of read one more piece from the, that article um, that you were referencing. Evan, when at the end when he says, I wanted to go to New Orleans, that's the really, uh, that's the thing that really takes away the sting 
after that, he's talking about, uh, I really feel like I bring a lot to the table in terms of professionalism and preparation because in nine years, I've seen everything in this league. I've gotten DNPs. I've dropped 50. I've been doubted. I've been hyped. I've been in game sevens. I've hit game winners. I've missed game winners. When you're young in this league, you don't know what you don't know. Take it from an old head who used to walk around the mall all day. Again, just McCollum, when he's done in the NBA, man, he's he's got a he's got a good way with words. Uh, he's going to come and maybe uh, take some notes from Chris, get some writing stuff going here, and, and you know keep pumping he these pieces got, out. But. He's, he's, he's a journalism major. He doesn't need to take notes from me. <laughs> he doesn't need to take notes from me. He has a playing career. That's why I'm currently unemployed, still looking for my next job. And the minute he retires, he's going to be a talking head somewhere because, you know, he's, he doesn't need to take pointers from me. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Like, it's fun. To, with him, it's fun to think about, like, the possibilities post-NBA career for him are endless. Like, would anyone be shocked if it's like, oh, CJ McCollum was named the commissioner of the NBA? Right. Um, oh, he, probably wouldn't, he probably wouldn't because, like, commissioners work for the owners and he's, like, the president, <laughs> the Players Association president. So probably not. But, like, he, like that guy, like he could like run for office in Ohio and you know be a right. state senator or something. Like his post post uh, NBA career is going to be exciting to see because he's obviously going to be. I personally think he's going to be just as successful post NBA career as he is in his NBA career. Hey, he's a but he's a buttoned up businessman. Good well, good situation. More, the, wine, the wine, yeah, the situation. Yeah, <laughs> the reason to keep coming back to the valley up here. But yeah, if there's a player that kind of exemplifies, as we talked about before we started recording here, but that big, easy lifestyle, it's CJ McCollum. CJ, man. He just kind of goes wherever the wind takes him. He's just, you know, down to earth, easy going. I got to get him to, uh, in my neighborhood in Mid-City, there's a place called Bayou Wine Garden. I got to get him there and be like, come on. There we go. I know you love wine. Let's talk. Let's talk about that. Let's let's before we let you go. We got. I got two things to. Well, one thing to get off my chest. I want to get off with a, a New Orleans guy. And first, we just got to ask another question. And that is, fans always like to go and get out on the road when they can. Can try to see these away venues. I first off, I I, I do apologize to you, Evan, but uh, Smoothie King Arena is probably one of the worst arenas in the nba but new orleans itself is the top top of the list that is my favorite city to go to when i was traveling with it and mainly it's because i love to eat food that i don't get to eat here <laughs> in portland now you sure. hit the usual spots you, 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 because you gotta you gotta go uh, to cafe de Monde, right you got if you're uh -huh. if you're down by bourbon you gotta hit up like redfish the the, the alligator gumbo is great but uh -huh. when I was in New Orleans for the playoffs, the best meal I had okay. was me and Jason Quick and Casey Holdall and everyone. We walked what? probably two miles into the okay. middle. Like we, we started on bourbon, just kept walking. And they're like, trust me, I heard this spot's good. Wait, and well, I can't even remember the name me, of it. What? Oh, you can't? What, what kind of food was it? No, listen here. I can't remember the name of it, Evan, but all I remember is we finally get there after like, a, it's like midnight too. And I'm like, where are we going? I don't know where we're at. Good thing we're in a pack of like six because we're okay. But we pull up <laughs> and it is this little hole in the wall convenience store. And we walk oh. in and it's like, and it's like, like, it's like out of a movie, like, you know, like, it's hard to describe, but it was a movie. Tiny little aisles, cans of food up there, cash only, sure. no card. And Jason, quick, like you, you got to go all the way to the back. You go all the way to the back, and there's a deli counter. And we ordered po' boys, and they were the best 
po' boys. I had the time. I was in New Orleans. So my point is, the long story short, as is the saying on this pod, give us, as a fan who wants to just go to New Orleans but experience New Orleans, something off the beaten path that is not the Bourbon Street, not Frenchman, but it is the place that you got to go when you're in New Orleans. For sure. Yeah, I've got a few. Um, the, where I thought you were going with this is in the Marigny, which is a neighborhood that's just outside of kind of the quarter. Um, there's a barbecue place called The Joint, which is like one of the best barbecue places you're going to get. And it's kind of not a hole in the wall, but it's not like, you know, a, a buttoned up establishment. It's just one of those things where like, you know, you might walk in and be like, I don't know about this place. But then you get the food and you're like, oh, OK, I get it. Like this is <laughs> one of the better places to go to. Um, and then there's this more place, a barbecue place that's more buttoned up, that's kind of more, it's only one location, but just, you know, they're newer-ish, kind of clean, it's in Mid-City called Blue Oak Barbecue, which is one of the best barbecue places, um, best fried chicken sandwiches I've had. When it comes to fried chicken, Willie Mae Scotch House, which is also in Mid-City, is like literally world-renowned for their fried chicken, like the best fried chicken that you're ever going to get. Um Koshan Butcher, which is down in CBD, is a place that is extremely, extremely popular. Um, so it's not like off the beaten path. But yeah, I'd say the beaten path of the joint is is up there for sure. And then in the quarter, there's a place called Verdi Mart, which is like a convenience store on Royal Street that's very unassuming. But they've got like some of the best mopalettas that you're ever going to have. So those are a few yeah. spots. I'm already hungry because it is my, yeah. favorite. It's my, <laughs> it's my favorite food spot. Like. We hit oh, up man. like little Sounds places amazing. that you knew were like probably they were bad by New Orleans standards, but we were still like, oh my god, this is so good. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Unless you're my good friend Travis Demers, who I pick on because we were in New Orleans. Shout out! And I'm gonna make sure he hears this. I'm gonna have to quote him, uh, quote it on Twitter. But we were in New Orleans, and he asked me if I wanted to go meet him for breakfast. So I'm like, yeah, I'll meet you for breakfast. I'm like, where are you at? He's like, I'm at IHOP. What? Oh, no. 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 On the road in New Orleans, the best food city in what? the NBA, and you want me to go on breakfast at IHOP? That is absurd. I showed Disgrace. up. Disgrace. I showed up to say hi, but I didn't need Go to IHOP. So Demers, when um, and I think I know exactly which IHOP you're talking about. Um, Demers, <laughs> right there on Canal Street. Right, yeah, just right there, right there. There's a Popeyes right there too. Um, Demers, when the last time the Blazers came to town, he came up and we talked a little bit. So that was great. So shout out to Demers hey, for sure. And out. Brooke came up and said hi as well. So that was awesome. Nice, nice. No, I, I, the, the rest of those food spots you're naming off, like I was trying to write some of these down. I didn't even, even know how to spell half the names or half the words you were saying. Oh, that's something. Yeah, when you come down, just hit me up. I'll, yeah, I'll, dude. We'll, we'll get into some places for sure. We were, and apparently we're going to have to bring Travis Demers to show him what real food tastes yeah, like, man. Right, right, <laughs> April 7th, hey, Trav, Blaze coming back down April 7th. I'll see him. I'm sure I'll see yeah, him down there. All right, there we go. There we go. All right, and then my last, my last comment before I let you go, and then I'm done, because I finally have someone who's in New Orleans right now that can feel my pain, that I feel like should be more of a pain for people uh, down there in the South. But the, the biggest travesty in all of sports, and that might be a stretch, but it's not, is... New Orleans losing the jazz moniker and the green, purple, oh. and gold color scheme. Oh, I, yeah. Pisses me off every single time I go down there. Oh. I complain about it on Twitter, like, constantly. I say that Adam Silver should force Utah to give them the name back. Like, yes. that's all. It's interesting because that's all I stream about. And then I'll talk to, like, local Pelicans fans, and they'll be like, 
kind of like the Pelicans name. They're like, yeah, I kind of <laughs> like the Pelicans. Because, like, they do, like, every couple years, the ja- or the Pelicans do come out with, like, last year their city jerseys were the Mardi Gras, uh, mm-hmm. the colors, the purple, green, yellow. So they do colorways. One. Yeah, it's mine too. And they, they do colorways of that. Um, but, I mean, I scream about it. It's one of the, like, I think the Trailblazers is, like, one of the best names. Not to, I'm not being a homer, but one of the best names in all of sports. And the New Orleans Jazz is up there. Like I own, yeah, I own a uh, New Orleans Jazz Pistol Pete Maravich Mitchell and S jersey for sure. Nice. Like one of my favorite jerseys. <laughs> yeah, the purple, the purple with the Jazz logo, forty four, and on the back it says Pistol on the back instead of his last name. Yeah, that's it's awesome. That's that. sick. Well, it's like unless you've been to New Orleans, like you don't realize that, like, like. Like Portland, right? You got you got red and black as your colors, but like those aren't like Portland colors. Those are blazer colors. But like purple, gold, and green, like those are New Orleans colors. Right. <laughs> They're on every corner shop, every store window, everywhere you see, every bead on bourbon. Oh, I just I just hate that the Pelicans aren't those colors. I'm gonna step down <laughs> off my soapbox now. I'm trying to find it real quick, but like they the the names that they were gonna choose instead of the Pelicans, some of them were really bad. I, I can't find it. I'll have to tweet it at you. Um, but yeah, because they went, they were the Horn, New Orleans Hornets, and then New Orleans after Katrina, they went to Oklahoma City, the Chris Paul Oklahoma City money uh-huh. ring shout out. And then when they came back to New Orleans, the NBA like Michael Jordan bought the Hornet or bought the Bobcats and wanted the Hornets name back. So the NBA is like, cool, well you can have the name in New Orleans. Like we're fine, we don't want the Hornets name. And then, yeah, so they'd settle on Pelicans, but, like, I remember reading an article that there were, like, two or three other that they were considering, and a couple of them were, like, really bad. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Pelicans is good. They like it. Like, it's a cool color scheme. Um, it's obviously Pelicans is a state bird, so. Um, so, yeah, it's, yeah. I what agree, they, though. Uh... I mean, I you can, on Twitter, I every few months, I say how much of a travesty <laughs> it is that the New Orleans does not have the jazz name. And, again, I try to get, like, local people worked up over it and they're like eh, i kind of like pelicans it's fine yeah that's well if they were in a place that wasn't nicknamed the big easy they'd be pissed about it <laughs> <laughs> very good point very good point that's awesome man uh well thank you evan man thank you for all the time evan mccarthy of evanm.com really appreciate it dude and and you know, like we said earlier, go read cj's article obviously go check out evanm.com e-v-a-n-e-m.com wonderful amazing art on there and also don't forget to follow him go on he's an excellent twitter follow and i do you share you feel like you share more of your work on on instagram probably or or twitter what's what's a better spot for fans i mean i find that all social media is a hellscape uh, <laughs> i don't don't do facebook i deactivated my facebook account i share stuff on on instagram and now's a good time to follow me on instagram because i'll put uh videos of mardi gras going on on like stories and stuff like that so that's fun for sure my mom and I were taking shots on Rampart yesterday uh, in anticipation for one of the parades that came through. So, yeah, follow Instagram and Twitter are both Evan M PDX. So check those out for sure. Excellent, man. Well, yeah, thank you. Really appreciate it. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you to Chris Burkhardt, as always. Thank you, Evan McCarthy of EvanM.com. Once again, please go check out his website. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. Shout out to Evan. And please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters.